0: what is going on everybody welcome back we kind of took a little bit of a big break there uh, but it is bet we are back with music talks with tyler and now we also have another special uh guest another co-host to add to our podcast uh mr will hancock uh, is a good friend of mine, and he's—you might see him teaching some of your lessons. Um, he's been teaching some students and stuff, and so he'll, we're kind of we're kind of gradually hosting th- this podcast together. So on future episodes, you'll see us together, and um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Um, we've had some great episodes in the past, and just we're looking to the future for even better episodes for sure. Um, speaking of today, we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Topher Keen. And he is right there, and he's and a fantastic music educator, and he also teaches some private lessons, um, speaks at conferences, and has has a YouTube channel where he focuses a lot on different vocal technique and vocal health. And we're super excited to talk with him today and demonstrate some some of his stuff um, as well. But uh, without further ado, I think uh, we can jump jump right into the topic um, and. Uh, yeah, we can go and jump right in. Unless, uh, Tover, if you want to give us a little bit of your background and tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, so, you know, the short intro is that I mostly coach singers. That's the main thing I do. I, I perform professionally as a singer. I direct choirs, musicals. I do coaching of actors. I'm here in Phoenix, Arizona. I do in person, uh, but I also do a lot of students over Zoom. And so I have a quite active studio around the country and actually several international students as well. So anyone watching who's interested in singing or acting coaching for beginners, intermediates, or advanced, feel free to check me out, toferkeen.com. Um, but I won't go too much into my background. One of my specialties is working with people who really struggle with the basics of singing. Um, I have a lot of coaches like you, Tyler, who will sometimes run into a student who really struggles to match pitch and with the fundamental stuff. And so I've trained a lot of teachers in helping students like that, but many of them just send their worst cases to me, um, where, where many teachers would normally just say, hey, I'm not sure if I can help you. I, I, I don't know if, if you have the, the skills to be able to get started as a singer. Um, many of them will now just say, I'm going to call my friend Topher. and I'm going to send him over. <laughs> send you over to him and he'll help you. Uh, but, but I do help a lot of professionals as well. I got many students who are touring across the country in their bands or, or singing professionally as classical singers or musical theater performers. I've got some acting students who are filming pilots for TV shows now as well, but I, I really do love working with beginners, uh, so my, my first lesson is always a chance to... Uh, understand what a student wants and and help understand their goals and how much I can help them out Uh, but a big chunk of the first lesson is helping them understand how the voice works because so many people think that the voice is this magical thing that uh, you come out with that you're born with or not and you know I've seen a lot of babies I I taught early childhood and um, actually my my first is uh, expected in February I'm very excited for that and um so uh I um I've seen a lot of babies and none of them come out of the womb singing beautifully. That's not a thing. You don't see a three-month-old baby going, oh, it doesn't happen. They mostly just scream. So at some point, we all learn how to sing beautifully. Some of us learn in infancy and some of us learn later as adolescents and some of us learn as adults. I've had 75-year-olds who come in and and learn the basics. Um, So I thought what would be interesting for us to do today, uh, Tyler, is to walk you and Will through the basics of a first lesson as if you weren't experienced singers. Now you are experienced singers and coaches so you'll have interesting questions to ask along the way so certainly stop me and ask if there's something you want more explanation on but i thought today could be a really good resource for all, all your audience to follow along at home this is less of an interview and sit and listen um, as it is a masterclass. class for you you're going to stand up at home you're going to engage with us you're going to work through the exercises and learn more about your voice in the process um, so that's what i was thinking we do today does that sound good absolutely yeah Very great. Excellent. Um, Before we begin, uh, do you have any questions about my background or sort of basics or anything? Or do you want me to just launch right into it?
0: Uh, I'm good. If you are, Will, yeah, I think we can launch right into it. Yeah, just go for it.
1: Wonderful, sounds good. All right, so um, probably to make the sound a little bit easier, I'm gonna ask you guys to stay on mute. And then at certain times when you're echoing back and forth, you can come on off and we can assess the sound that we're hearing. The trick for everybody at home is that I can't hear you. Obviously this was recorded, you know, a day ago, a month ago, a year ago, a thousand years ago, who knows how long YouTube will last, uh, but I can't hear you. So I can't give you that feedback, but what I can tell you is how to assess yourself for that feedback. So Will and Tyler, you know, whenever I ask to hear you, just go ahead and come off so I can, I can hear your sound and then whenever we have questions along the way let's just pause and and sort of digest what we're talking about. I tend to move fast because I prefer to keep a lot of material very tight. So I'd encourage you at home, if you feel like I'm talking too fast and moving too fast, there is a little gear icon in the corner. You can slow it down to 0.75 speed. Maybe even 0.5 speed would be better for my pace of talking. So if that, if you want to do that, that's totally fine. Now, if you're a superhuman, you can go to 2x speed and really get through this you know, super quick. But I think most people are probably going to be happier at 1x or 0.75x. So you can always rewind and go back if you feel like you missed something. So to start, what am I? You know, we talk about being vocal coaches, voice teachers, these these terms. Um, There's a lot of different meaning within those terms and there's no real standardization within the industry. There's not a certificate that that enables you to say, this is what I am. Many people have degrees. Many people have done training programs and certificates, but there's no legal requirement that you have to have any particular background to teach voice. Mostly it's that you like to sing and you probably are pretty good at singing. There there are some coaches who are not that great at singing, but generally vocal coaches are pretty good singing. And we think that we have something to say that will help you make your singing better. Uh, But there is a a distinction I like to make between them. And generally, you see two big broad categories. You see voice teachers and vocal coaches. And um, often the number one reason why someone picks a different word is just because they like that word better. So, it doesn't mean that they are defining it the way I am, but most people um, in our field I found will, will refer more to voice teachers as those who teach regular lessons, who are helping you develop a better instrument, who are giving you lots of exercises, maybe choosing songs for you, uh, but not necessarily preparing you immediately for performances and auditions, more developing an instrument and helping you uh, get more beautiful at your singing. And then along the way, they'll help you with auditions and recordings and uh, performances as they arise. Whereas a vocal Coach has a more specific meaning where you may already have a song you're working on. You may be in a band and about to record an album. You may have a role in an opera or a musical. And you may want to take that specific song or that specific role, that specific album, and polish it and make it as beautiful as possible. Now, certainly those goals overlap, and more or less everyone in our field does a little bit of both. But if you're working with Beyonce, you're probably more of a vocal coach. You're probably helping her with specific problems in certain songs that she's going to go perform for millions of people. Whereas if you're working with little Susie down the street, who's never sung before, you're probably more of a voice teacher. You're helping her develop her voice and get ready, and maybe she'll do a recital in a year or two years, and and that'll be her one thing. Now, most students fall in the gray zone in between, and most teachers fall in the gray zone in between. Um, we all, I imagine Tyler and Will, you both consider yourselves a little bit of a voice teacher and a little bit of a vocal coach. Um, and, and maybe you have one word you use more than the other. Um, I, I find many in our industry, the term vocal coach carries a little more cachet than, than a voice teacher. So you'll find people tend to like that word just because it sounds better. Um, but in general, I, I talk with my students very much about these two different hats I wear. So sometimes I'm the voice teacher, sometimes I'm the vocal coach. Um, but in general, I like to refer to myself with, with a different term that I. I think I picked up from Brett Manning, who's one of the speech level guys, um, I'm not sure who I stole it from, uh, but he referred, uh, the person I was listening to referred to themselves as a voice builder. And I really like that word, voice builder, because I don't think so much on the technique practice side, I think more on the building, training, developing the physical instrument side. So I want to talk a little bit today about the physical anatomy of the voice and how it's built. Um, As I said before, no one comes out of the womb singing beautifully. You have to develop a beautiful voice. It would be like saying, you know, bodybuilders are are born not made. Now that that is in some ways true. There's some genetic potential of building more muscle that, you know, some people are more destined to be a basketball player because they're going to be seven feet tall. And some people are more destined to be a football player because they have the genetic capacity to grow more muscle and more more muscle mass. So certainly there are some genetic components to voice that produces the particular instrument you grow into. But there's certainly a large training component as well that goes into that. Just because you're seven feet tall doesn't mean you get in the NBA. There's a lot of other factors that go in there. Now, now it might be a requisite that you're a certain height to to get really far in that sport. It might be a requisite that you have a certain kind of instrument to go to the extreme vocally in a particular genre. Uh, But there are plenty of people with with relatively bad natural instruments who are fantastic performers and and wildly successful. The one who comes to mind for me is always Bob Dylan. I mean, fantastic songwriter, excellent storyteller, engaging musician pretty rough vocal technique. Not not really the best quality of voice in the world. Not the one I listen to to soothe me to sleep. You know, so just and there's many like that in the field. I, I personally don't don't really like Adina Menzel's voice. She's an excellent technician. She's really good at what she does, but it's just such a pushy kind of sound that works for her, but doesn't work for 99% of singers who try to model her. So you get a 10-year-old singing "Let It Go," and it sounds like they're going to blow their vocal cords out of their mouth, and that that just does not feel good when I listen to that kind of singing. Now, no one can deny she's a you know once-in-a-generation talent, certainly, much like a Bob Dylan. But I, I just don't happen to like that that particular instrument. Um, that much. And so, so we have that genetic component, but we also have to train into that capacity. So I treat myself more like a voice trainer, a voice builder, a, a strength coach for the voice. And that's really been influenced by my, my weightlifting journey. And so for the last 10, 12 years, I've been lifting weights pretty consistently. Um, COVID actually made it really easy because I, I happened to buy a squat rack and full set of barbells and plates right off a best friend of mine right before COVID hit. And so I have a garage gym and I, I'm able to lift six days a week right before I come in to start teaching. And it ta- it teaches you a lot. Cause in voice, we have these excuses we use all the time where it's like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm not feeling on it today. And oh, you know, I was a little tired. I was a little sick and oh, you know, I got some sinus thing. And like my bridge just isn't feeling that good. But like, normally I can totally kill. I promise you, like I got those notes. It's fine. And you can make all those excuses you want in the gym. But if, if you say you can lift 400 pounds and then you get there and the bar doesn't move, you can't lift 400 pounds. You can only do it if the bar moves. That That is objectively true. And in singing, we, we use a lot more of this subjective floating language. So I like to make it more objective and concrete. So I, I talk to my students about the anatomy of the voice and the, the, the things we can do to build that voice up and grow those muscles, improve their strength so that you have more capacity as a singer. Many singers have technical problems. They have things they need to learn how to do to use the instrument better. Most of my singers who come in are actually pretty decent at singing. Most people who've been singing most of their life, most of their life, um, along with CDs and recordings and whatever, if they're listening to decent singers and decent music, they sound pretty good. You know, they're okay. It's it's that their capacity needs to be bigger. They they have reached their capacity as a singer and need to expand that capacity. Now there are some singers who have leftover capacity. They just, they don't know how to use their voice. And so teaching them some new techniques will help them reach that capacity. But I focus more on expanding the capacity. So voice teachers help you practice, help you work on technique so that your singing gets closer to your capacity. Vocal coaches take one song and polish it and make it really beautiful. Voice builders, voice trainers take that capacity and make it bigger so that you can grow over time. So I treat it more like a personal training relationship. And so today, what I'm gonna walk you through is my daily practice routine that I have all my students do. Not everybody does it, certainly, but my students tend to be pretty honest with me and let me know when it works and when it doesn't. So I used to give a lot more, you know, piano track exercises, scales, um, all the sorts of stuff we've uh, all done as voice coaches and, and as voice students. I'm sure there's many watching at home who have gone down YouTube rabbit holes and sung, you know, hundreds of exercises. Uh, but the, the challenge I found is that many of my students wanted to practice, but they would. Um, have this barrier, you know, that you have to, like, you pull up the phone, go to YouTube, find the track, pull it up, make sure no one's around so you can sing and you can do it effectively, you know, try to find the pitch so you're matching along well. And all these extra steps made it harder to practice. So some of my students would want to practice every day, but they'd only get around to it every couple of days. And some of these tracks, some of these exercises take five or 10 minutes to get through, you know, a couple exercises, and you don't always have that much time. So over the years, I've refined my daily practice down to something you can do in about 30 seconds to a minute. Now, it takes about 30 minutes to 40 minutes to explain it all and and get you through the process. So that's what we're going to do today. But then once you know the process, you can do it in 30 seconds and you can feel like you understand everything you're doing and how it's growing your voice overall. Um, So I do want to make one thing clear before we jump into the first exercises, and that is the separation between practice and training. And so that voice teacher um, modality we talked about is more of that practice side. When you are practicing, you are learning to play an instrument. And at home, you may have played piano, flute, trumpet, you know, some other instrument. And so generally, your parents or you purchased an instrument and you had to learn how to play it. So if I give you a $50 piano off of Amazon and you start learning how to play your scales and how to play your basic exercises, that's practice. You're learning how to play the instrument. At some point, you're gonna wanna play a Chopin etude or a Rachmaninoff concerto, and you're gonna say, this instrument, it doesn't really do it for me. This doesn't really sound that good on a $50 Amazon electronic keyboard. So your problem at that point is not more practice. You don't need more technique, you need a better instrument. So you might spend 10,000, 50,000, $100,000 on a beautiful grand piano, or a top of the line kind of instrument, and that now it can sound a lot better. Now you certainly need to practice and have technique to make that instrument sound beautiful. Just having a beautiful instrument doesn't make you sound good, but you need a better instrument. You can't buy a better voice though. You can learn to use the voice you have and you can grow the voice you have into a better voice. So that's where training comes in. Training is the building of the instrument. It would be like I give you a five note keyboard you know, very little, very electronic, you know, very simple, $2 off of, you know, some, uh, some you know, out of goodwill and you, and you play that. And then if you played it more and more and played it better and better, it grew new notes and it grew a pedal and it grew bigger speakers. And eventually it evolved into a full grand acoustic piano if you played it well enough. That's what the voice is. It's a really beautiful thing that we can build a beautiful instrument, uh, but it, it comes with that downside that you have to build it. You can't just buy one off Amazon. So you have to learn to use your instrument and you have to build the instrument at the same time. Now, very rarely can you build a world-class instrument without learning how to use it vocally. I mean, I suppose it could happen that you could build this amazing instrument that's capable of so many things, but you just haven't learned how to do any of them in the process. But I haven't really run into that. Now, sometimes you get somebody who walks in with this rich, resonant, deep, powerful voice that is capable of so much and they just can't, when they go to sing, nothing comes out. You know, certainly that happens sometimes, but, but it's so rare that I have found that focusing on the training and building the capacity, the practice and the technique kind of comes along for the ride. So I don't need to worry about it too much. The process of developing a good voice develops good technique along the way, but the process of just developing good technique does not always train and develop the voice as much as it could because you can learn practice in a one-hour lesson once a week, and you can, you can learn technique from reading books and from watching YouTube videos, but you can only develop the voice from singing consistently day after day, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. I tell my students that it's much like brushing your teeth. You don't get to go to the dentist and say, well, you know, I'm really busy and it's hard to find time for it. So, you know, what I do is I set aside Saturday as my toothbrushing day, and I just brush my teeth for two hours on Saturday and then I just skip it for the rest of the week. But I, I feel like that's pretty good though, right? Like I'm still gonna you know, have, have healthy gums. Like, no, no way. You have to do it every day for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. It's the same thing with voice. They're small muscles, they respond to frequent training. Um, so there, there are three big technical areas that I focus on with my students to develop a healthier, stronger voice. And that is breath support, vocal freedom, and registration. For many students at home, registration may be a weird word. You've probably heard breath support and, and some sort of, some form of relaxation and vocal freedom before, but registration may sound a little weird. That's just that head voice, chest voice thing that you've probably talked about with a voice coach or, or seen on a YouTube video before. Those are also called the head register and the chest register and the mixed register. Um, but generally, we just use the term head voice, chest voice, mixed voice. Sometimes people use full voice. Falsetto is, is a different terminology up at the top. You know, there's a lot of terms mixed up in there, but generally the idea of registration is the balance of using muscles in the vocal folds to produce the most beautiful sound. Um, so those are the things we're gonna focus on today. And so I'm about ready to kick off into the full-on masterclass where we all sing together. Before we do, let's go ahead and put up a stop sign because I know I've been going hundred miles an hour and let's just check in Tyler and Will. Do you guys have any questions or do you wanna dig any deeper into anything I've said so far?
0: Uh, no, I, I love yeah everything you've said so far. Um... I mean, yeah, it's great 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 information so far. Anything awesome, else? Awesome. Will, did you have anything?
1: Uh no, not at the moment. No. Okay. and so I'm curious what you guys um with uh, do you have a certain term that you use more frequently for what you do? Do you call yourselves more voice teachers or vocal coaches?
0: I would I would say personally I call myself more of a voice teacher. Yep. Um but yeah, definitely. It's exactly what you're saying, that balance of teacher and coach. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, right. and have yeah. you gotten
1: the same feeling that I have that like voice, co- like vocal coach has sort of a fancy branding to it that people seem to like to use, you know, on the professional, like the celebrity side?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, we we live in a time of those, you know, vocal coaches of those like uh, Broadway singers and you have a whole bunch of YouTube videos and like, oh, oh that, cool. that guy's a, a coach or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that work probably, as you said. Yeah, so
1: I've I, I've been tempted in the past, you know, to go really hard on that social media branding and like, you know, celebrity vocal coach, all this kind of stuff. And like, yeah, I, I was nominated for a Grammy Award as an educator, and like like that doesn't mean all that much because there were, you know, a couple thousand people nominated. So, you know, but there are hundreds of thousands of voice coaches. So, you know, it's still it's still nice to to, to for the nomination. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, but you know, I, I haven't really leaned in on the branding side because I prefer to work with students who want to do the work, not ones who say, oh my gosh, my teacher's so famous, they've worked with such famous singers. I'm gonna be famous if I work with them like they almost treat fame um, like it's a contagious disease that you'll catch if you get around somebody who has it and I, I just don't like that attitude at all in my studio in my studio I prefer people who are gonna do the work so like I said it's it's like I'm a bodybuilding coach like I'm looking for some guy who wants to lift heavy weights not somebody who's coming in and like oh we're gonna just like hang out and it's gonna be fun and then I'm just gonna get huge and like no I don't want that I don't I don't I don't want your voice to get physically huge I don't want big old muscles bulging out of your throat what I want is for you to have a beautiful voice. That- <laughs> And part of that comes from the process of developing a benefit. Um, so, so I'm looking for that kid who's willing to do the work. You know, there's a, I think it was uh, Ronnie Coleman. There's a, there's a lifter who says all the time, you know, everybody want to be big, but nobody want to lift them heavy weights. You know, and it's like the same idea that like everybody wants to have a beautiful voice, but nobody wants to practice that voice every day right. with fundamental right. exercises. Yeah. Everybody wants to be Yo-Yo Ma, but nobody wants to play their scales. You know, it's the same <laughs> idea. You know, it's, it's, it's and people, I, I really try to break that mindset in people because I get a lot of students who have the motivation and the drive, and they just don't have the tools. They don't know what to do every day. They think singing songs or singing scales is the thing to do every day and like that's it's not the, the right path
0: so so what do you yeah. say to those people who do kind of mm-hmm. maybe need to expand their mm-hmm. their range or expand you know their mindset of something what, what do you say to those singers who i mean really just say that they can't sing, You know, you get a whole bunch yeah, of yeah. like I, can't oh, yeah, I I I do certainly get those people and um
1: you know it's it's always personalized to the person's individual situation. What I find is that usually it's triggered by one particular event in their past, you know, they ought auditioned for a show and didn't get the role, or they had mom say, you know, when you stop singing around the house, you can't carry a tune in a bucket. You know, and like my mom was probably joking at the time, you know, like when the elementary school teacher tells you to just melt the words in the concert, they're not saying never sing for the rest of your life. They're just saying, hey, you're kind of screaming and shouting and like sticking out and all the parents are going to, like, people might make fun of you. Like, I'm trying to help you here, you know, kid. I don't want you to be embarrassed, you know. You know there's It's generally coming from a good place. Sometimes there are malicious people who, who you know, really are being aggressive and, and painful and hurtful toward a child intentionally um, by by criticizing them on their voice. But most of the time, I think it does come from a good place. It's it's not intentionally traumatic. Uh, But but just because something isn't intentionally traumatic doesn't mean that it wasn't actually traumatic. Um, I think most actual trauma was not intentionally inflicted. It was it was just you know, a result of what, what happened, and Now certainly is lots of intentional trauma inflicted. But I think most of us, if we think back on some of our more traumatic moments, some of them were intentionally inflicted, and some of them were completely casual, and the person who did it might not even remember it ever happened. I don't think the elementary school teacher who told you that you, you, you know, you your singing doesn't sound very good, you should just melt the words at the concert, I don't know that that teacher remembers saying that to you the way that you remember saying uh, hearing that said I've, I've had students who've. i've had 75 80 year old students who said i haven't sung in 60 years because i still remember sitting in that little red dress about to go on stage for the concert and the teacher said just melt the words honey you know and, and not not with malice not with anger just like you know I, I don't want you to scream and ruin the whole concert you know so you know the. It, it, it depends on the situation that the, the student is in some of them need more working through of past emotional trauma um, that's actually what my first book is is about um so i i've, I've taken an approach in writing my my book uh, on uh basically saying that most books that say that they are how to sing are not actually how to sing they are how to sing well they assume that you sing, and then they take that singing and make it better. Um, and I'm actually taking it from more of the mindset approach of you don't sing, you don't open your mouth, notes don't come out in front of anybody. And so how do we get over that, you know, mental, emotional, psychological stuff and get to a place where we can comfortably sing in front of others, even if it doesn't sound great, because lullabies with the children, Christmas carols with the family, even happy birthday at, at you know, Chili's when you're hanging out with the, the, the rest of the workplace. You know, it's like that, Those are these are cultural moments that matter for people bonding across community and across family. And so. That, that is more my mission than building singers that can Sell out, you know, millionaire, you know, tours and and you know, going around the country and releasing albums, like that's wonderful, and I'm happy to work with those people too. But my, my most rewarding work is somebody who otherwise would not have ever sung lullabies to their children and their grandchildren because they were too afraid to open their mouth. And now, after having worked with me for a single day or maybe six months or maybe a year, now that now I know for sure they will feel comfortable singing along with their kids, and that transforms a culture because we have a culture now of kids that don't get sung to and and ki- kids and parents that don't sing together and. and and all the joys and wonders that technology and recording and all this stuff have brought us have also brought us a society that doesn't sing anymore. And that's that's sad because it used to be if you wanted music, you made it. And over the last 100 years, we've, we've completely just Carpet bomb that out of our culture, and so I, I I don't know that I can transform that myself. I know there are lots of people who are trying. Um, you know, Bobby McFerrin actually has made really good inroads on that um, himself, and you know lots, lots of other people like Rafi who are doing stuff like that. Um, and I don't think that I have anywhere near their impact. But I I would hope that there, when I you know pass on and when I'm 80, 90, 100, uh, hopefully 150, something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know who knows where the tech is going. But uh, right, but I would right. hope that there are a few hundred, a few thousand people out there who have sung lullabies to their children who wouldn't have done it so otherwise. And maybe there are some, you know, famous people who put out some really good music that impacted the culture. And like, that'd be nice if I helped those people too. But in the end of the day, if it was just a few hundred grandmas singing with their grandbabies that otherwise would have not been able to sing to them, like that's, that's worth it for me. Um, so I, I explain this sort of stuff all the time in the first lesson of like, you know, you don't need to go on stage and perform beautifully for thousands of people for singing to be a valuable thing in your life. I have some students who never sung um, to anyone else except for me. And they just say, I'd like to sing in the car and I'd like it to sound better and feel better. And I, I helped them get over that and like that that's really valuable
0: okay
1: yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, so so let's go ahead and dive in then And at, at that point. So I'm going to ask um, everyone at home, as well as Will and Tyler, go ahead and set your camera so you can stand up. And uh, if you are at home, go ahead and get out of the seat. If you sit down and listen to this, you're going to know how to do things. But knowing how to do things is not the same as knowing what to do. You, you got to do the things that you know how to do instead of just knowing how to do those things. I can give you a 5,000 page manual about how to ride a bike. You're still going to fall off the bike the first time you get on. There's no amount of instruction intellectually that will keep you from falling off a bike. What, What I can do is show you what to do with your body that will make your singing more beautiful. So the first thing we're going to do is check in on how do we know when we're singing well. Most people think that they know they're singing well because their voice sounds good. But the sound of your voice in your head is not the sound of your voice that comes out of your mouth. You know this if you've watched yourself on a Zoom recording, like Tyler and Will, or if you've listened to yourself on a voicemail and you go, that's not my voice. And somebody else will say, no, 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 that sounds just like you. And you'll listen to everybody else's voicemails and you'll say, no, that sounds just like that. My voice is just weird. It just doesn't sound right on recordings. But everybody else's voice, they all sound completely accurate. It's not true. Everybody's voice sounds more or less accurate on recordings, but we don't hear our own voice in our head. We hear a distorted voice. We can figure that out really quickly. You're just going to go Aah! on some comfortable note. It can be my note. If you're a female at home or a young child, you'll probably want to sing it up the octave.
0: Aah! But if you're male like Tyler and, uh, and Will here, you're probably going to want to sing down with me. Good, now try and sing it exactly the same
1: way. We're gonna do it three times in a row, exactly the same. Pay attention to two things. How does it sound and how does it feel? Ah, try it again. Ah, one more time, exactly the same. How does it sound? How does it feel? Ah, good. Now we're gonna mess around with it a little bit. Sing it exactly the same every time. Pay attention to the sound and the feeling. Take your hands like this and cup them behind your ears and then go. Uh, it should feel the same, but it probably sounds a little different. Now cup your hands in front of your ears like this. Uh, exactly the same. Feels the same. Sounds different. Cup your hands in front of your mouth. Uh, feels the same. Sounds different. Put your thumbs in your ears. Uh, This one's the most obvious. Feels the same, aside from thumbs being in your ears, which doesn't feel all that great, and then sounds different, right? So we can change the sound out here without changing the feeling. Now, to me, when I hear you sing that to me, when you heard my voice coming through, it sounds the same to you because you're outside of me. Now, maybe this sounded a little quieter because I'm blocking the physical sound, but other than that, these pretty much sound the same because I'm messing with my perception of sound, but not the actual sound that comes out. So we've learned through this process that we can't trust the sound of our singing. And you know this if you've sung in a a shower versus singing outside versus singing in a car, you can sing exactly the same way and your voice sounds radically different. So we can't trust the sound. We have to trust the feeling. Good singing feels good. And when it feels good, it probably sounds better. Now, sometimes you have to work a little bit to get a good sound out. And that's where a coach can be helpful to help you identify those places. But in general, good singing feels better than bad singing. And so we trust our feelings and once we've identified a good sound, we memorize the feeling, not the sound, and we come back to that feeling and it will help us produce the good sound. We turn on, not turn off our ears, but we focus more on our internal feeling of our voice than on the sound of our voice, and that'll help us better. The vocal coach's job, or the voice teacher, or the voice builder, voice trainer, our job is to listen effectively and provide that, those ears for the student so that they can find their beautiful voice. You tell them that's a great, gorgeous sound, I love that, and then memorize that feeling note that feeling just like when you're on the bike it's not about thinking intellectually about which muscles moving and which way you're leaning it's just about letting your body ride the bike. Your brain doesn't ride the bike as much as your body does. And your brain doesn't sing as much as your body sings. Trust the body learning. So that's the foundation. Now we're going to move into breath support and then vocal freedom and then registration. Those are the three foundations of what I do vocally. Most problems in singer's voices are one of those three. If you can get better breath engagement, if you can release tension from the voice and you can navigate your registration effectively between your head voice and your chest voice, that fixes almost all of your problems there are certainly other problems. Vowels, darkness, brightness, resonance, placement, uh, diction, breaths, you know, where you place the breaths, you know, all, all interpretation, facial expression. There's, there's a thousand things, but those three things are disproportionately represented in things people don't like in their voice. So if you focus on those three, fixes most of the problems. And then you can spend your time in the studio polishing the stuff on the edges. So we're gonna focus on a simple exercise we can do every day that helps those three things, but I'm gonna build you up sequentially till we get there. So we're gonna start from the foundation, which is breath, because you can't sing without breath. Breath is the thing that carries your voice out of your body to others. So when you breathe in, everyone take a nice deep breath in when you breathe in the air goes into your lungs and your lungs are surrounded by your ribs if your ribs are small and collapsed you can't expand your lungs as much so hunch over collapse your shoulders collapse your ribs take as deep of a breath as you can without moving you'll feel the ribs keep the lungs restricted if you roll your shoulders back open up your chest nice and open like a barrel that rib cage expands the lungs can expand more breath You've probably heard breathe from the diaphragm before I don't like using that term too much in my studio because often what what I mean when I say diaphragm is something scientific and anatomical what most students mean when I say how do you breathe and they say I breathe from the diaphragm what they actually mean is that's a fancy science word that means people stop asking me how to breathe and then I don't have to answer the question anymore if I say diaphragm I got it right and then no one else asks me any more questions and I can just stop worrying about it and I ask where is your diaphragm and they go around here somewhere and I say how does it function and they go it moves to help me with breathing and and, and how do you engage your diaphragm well I, I kind of like tighten up things around here, sort of, and they don't have very good explanations. So if my students are gonna use those words, I want them to know what they mean. Here's our rib cage again, show me your rib cage. We're gonna take one half of the rib cage and we're gonna show our diaphragm. Our diaphragm is a floor at the bottom of our ribs that expands to allow the lungs to expand. So if your ribs are collapsed, then they're holding the diaphragm in place. If you're holding like this, the diaphragm can't move. That's why you can't get more air in your lungs. Partially because the ribs are smaller and the lungs can't expand this way, but mostly because the diaphragm, the flat floor at the bottom of the lungs can't drop. And if it can't drop, then your lungs can't expand. This is why we're standing. Because if you're sitting down, your guts also trap your diaphragm and that becomes a problem. So we wanna make sure that that expanse can happen so that we can get that rib cage nice and open and free and fill the lungs with air for beauty. Tyler, you look like you might have a question. Is that is that the case or you're just fixing something?
0: No, no, we're good.
1: Good, we're good. All right, cool. So we got the lung, the the rib cage expanded for the lungs to expand. Diaphragm is the floor down here at the bottom. Trick is for the diaphragm to drop, the guts have to get out of the way because the guts are underneath the diaphragm and the guts are not lungs. They are not full of air. They can't just be compressed. They're full of gut stuff, which is pretty important to you living. So they can't just be squished into a small ball. They have to go somewhere. They can't go up because the diaphragm's there. They can't go down because the legs are there and the legs are full of leg stuff. So the guts have to go out and they have to go around. This is why your coaches often say breathe from the belly. The trick is if you actually breathe into the belly, then you do that. So you don't want to breathe into the belly. You want to breathe into the lungs, not into the belly. But if you imagine that you're breathing in the belly, if you feel that you're breathing into the belly, you will produce a deeper, richer fuller sound. Now, the trick is when we say breathe from the diaphragm, we can't actually breathe from the diaphragm. We don't have conscious control of the diaphragm itself. We have conscious control of the things around the diaphragm that we can move out of the way to allow the diaphragm to move on its own. Much like the heart. If I said, Tyler and Will, to make your heart beat faster and you just go, "Mm, mm," it's kind of hard to do that. Now, what you could do though is kind of like Jog in place, you could do some jumping jacks, and then your heart would beat faster because of the things you did. This is how diaphragm works. Now the trick is most students, most singers at home, most untrained singers, or even pretty well trained singers, will think that they're engaging their diaphragm. You can't really do that. You can engage the core and help it to expand to make room for the diaphragm, and engage the core on the way out. Engage the pelvic floor. Engage the, the the muscles of support to allow the diaphragm to have the support it needs to do its job on its own. But breathing from the diaphragm is much like wiggling your spleen. It's just not a thing your body really does. Now, and I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on that if there is some anatomist watching who who has more insight into this than I do. But that is my understanding of the anatomy. So we have our diaphragm down here, and we have our rib cage that can also expand these are important set sections of training because the more those muscles get stronger the more capacity we have for breath so you guys are probably at home or, or will and tyler you've probably eaten ribs before uh, but the, the trick is you've never actually eaten ribs you um, unless you're you know some kind of weird monster you've eaten intercostals which is the muscles in between the ribs the ribs are the bones and you probably did not eat those you ate the intercostals and the intercostal muscles if they are strengthened help you hold the rib cage open in a supported place so the diaphragm can do its work. Um, This is called appoggiatura in classical vocal training in bel canto um, opera training. This is the holding of the open space in the rib cage as opposed to letting the ribs collapse as you breathe. We're going to practice the difference. So take a deep breath into a barrel chest. Try to expand your body like Gaston as you take this big breath in and then let it collapse as you breathe out like an accordion. This is what many singers do. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once, they expand on the inhale and then let the instrument collapse as they breathe out. We don't want that. We want to hold the expanse the whole time. So we're going to take a deep breath into that barrel chest. Hold it. And now we're breathing out, but we're keeping the chest in the same place. That is the intercostals and the ribs doing their job. Now we talk about the diaphragm. For the diaphragm to move, the guts have to go out uh, out and around. We've talked about this before. I'm sure you've seen this on another YouTube video or from your vocal coach to breathe with the belly. The trick is you're not pushing your belly out. You are allowing your belly to release and expand. The muscles stay relaxed as you inhale so that the diaphragm can do its job. They engage on the exhale. So you're going to do an exercise with me really simple, really quick. You're going to take your hands like this. Show me your palms, touch your fingertips together. And you're going to put your hands on your belly so that your fingertips are touching right here. As you breathe in, you want your fingertips to slightly come apart as your belly relaxes and expands. And as you breathe out, your fingertips should come back together as your belly comes in. It's a little counterintuitive because many people suck their belly in as they breathe in air, in and in. It makes sense, right? But it actually doesn't make sense because if you want more air in your body, your body must get bigger. So don't think in and belly out, think in and bigger because in and bigger makes more space for in, out and smaller means that the air is coming out. If your body gets bigger as you breathe out, that's a problem. Your body gets smaller as you breathe in. That's a problem. You want your body to get bigger as you breathe in to hold more air. That is important.
0: Yes, Tyler. Right. I was gonna say. Uh, I was just gonna add, like, uh, just in addition to all of that. Same thing with like. Um, I was always taught breathing from the shoulder. Like, I mean, well, breathing yes. from the shoulder is like when we're like babies, when we're infants, like mm-hmm. you know, we're, we when we don't have the ability to walk yet. that's yes. We're like we're actually breathing from our stomach. Where we're mm-hmm. breathing in through our belly and then, yep. Yep. Out, um, like sucking back in, yep. but, um, then as like we evolve, then like mm-hmm. kind of gets weird. And, like we start to like breathe the wrong way. So yes. it's actually like I've always heard the term, like breathe like a, infant or breathe like a Yes, it. breathe
1: like a baby. And if you have a baby at home, if you have access um, to, to a younger sibling, a younger cousin, or if you see a child sleeping, you will see their belly rise and fall as they are sleeping and breathing because they breathe naturally from there. And yet, yes, Tyler, you're right that as we grow older and develop, we tend to see other people breathing in their shoulders and chest like this. And that, that tends to uh, become a cultural thing that we pull up. So you tell a kid to take a big breath and mostly they'll go, And we don't want that. We don't want shoulders. We don't want chest. Chest stays open and tall as we breathe, but it doesn't open and shut as you breathe in and out, just the belly moves. So one more time, hands on the belly, take a deep breath in and let it all out. Belly comes in as you breathe out. Relax, breathe in and make the body bigger. Engage the core muscles and breathe out as the body gets smaller. A good mental image that I stole from coach uh, Roger Love is to think of a string inside your belly button tugging in as you breathe out. Pushing that air out. So you're engaging the belly muscles to support the air as it comes out. Take another deep breath in. This time, hiss it all out. From the belly button. Now this is where vocal freedom starts to come in. What can happen is you start pushing from the throat instead of pushing from the belly. The way to check that is to move your neck gently side to side. And if you do, and the pitch and intensity of the hiss changes, that tells you that there's throat tension, that you're engaging the throat too much. So listen to the difference. This is what it sounds like when the throat is tight. You might feel like this is happening at home. Notice that the pitch drops. It goes from a high hiss to a low hiss and the volume changes as well when you relax the neck. That means the neck is doing work. We don't want the neck doing work. We want the belly doing the work, the diaphragm doing the work. So if you take that deep breath in, focus on relaxing the neck and keeping the hiss consistent, you can get that diaphragm doing the work. Take a deep breath in. Hiss it out. Relax the neck. Relax the neck. Engage the bellies. This is the most valuable thing I teach. Just engage the belly, release the neck. If you do that one thing, if you can get that to work, then it will fix almost everything in your singing. And the problem is, if you are not, if this is not the first vocal video you've ever watched in your singing career, you probably already know this. You probably know to engage breath support from below and release the voice above. You know this, but you're not doing it most of the time. That is the problem is that you have this knowledge, all this knowledge about singing, but it's not in the body. You're not doing it consistently. So practicing this every day, it seems very simple. There's no pitch, there's no words, there's no vowels, there's no key changes. There's no nothing really complicated here but many people still struggle with this very simple exercise to keep the neck completely released while keeping the belly fully engaged on the hiss. So if you do this for five seconds every day, after a few weeks, you've trained your body to do a new thing that can then show up in all of your singing and produce more beautiful singing. If I sing that same amazing grace I just sang, if I'm doing With that throat tension, I have an engaged diaphragm, but also a tight throat, I'll produce this sound. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Tight, shouty, overproduced. You might have a voice like that. In that case, you need to learn to release the voice more. The problem is sometimes we release the voice and we also release the diaphragm and stop engaging down here, and then you get a breathy, unsupported sound like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's a very relaxed sound. There's no tension in there at all, but it's not beautiful because it's not supported. So it needs to be both supported, amazing grace, and released. Amazing grace. When you do both of those together, you get amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That comes from support plus relaxation and freedom. So one more time here is the piss with the release. Deep breath in this
0: move the next and release lovely tyler what do you want to say uh i just wanted a quick add um i think um will unfortunately can, um is not able to finish up the episode with us but um yeah so just want to thank Will. thanks so much for all your help will thank you will it's been awesome and i'm looking forward to seeing you again
1: sometime soon man
0: exactly yeah you'll get to to, watch
1: after and finish up without us so
0: (laughs) i i will i'll I'll send Tyler my questions and so
1: great great thank you will appreciate it
0: (laughs) yeah have a great day bye thank you guys
1: thank you thank you so audience at home we are standing up we're back in that engaged breath support and we are going to do that hiss one more time just so we remember where we left off so take a big deep breath into the diaphragm Hiss it out and release the next Now, you've probably already identified one of these is easier for you than the other. And this is the major split between students. The first major division is are you a tighter singer who can engage more easily, but has a lot of tension in the throat? Or are you a more supported, a more uh, uh, relaxed singer who lacks the support in the diaphragm and the breath support? So it's the difference between amazing grace, how sweet the sound, and... Amazing grace as we do sound. If that's more of your sound, you need more breath support. If the first one is more of your sound, um, you need to learn to release the tension in the throat so you might have both of those problems most singers have both of those problems but generally one of them is more of a problem than the other so that tells you where to start your focus either on more support or on more freedom these two come together because they are sort of in tension with each other as you increase support you tend to increase tension as you increase uh, relaxation you tend to decrease your engagement in the belly so this is the main thing we have to train we have to train our bodies to know how to engage while releasing and it's a a difficult thing to do it is it is not a complex thing to do and this is something i actually really push in my studio is that there's a difference between easy difficult and simple complex there are things that are very complex that are also relatively easy to do there are also things that are very simple that are very difficult to do a good example is most of us can probably ride a bike i would imagine tyler you can ride a bike right 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 can you can you ride a unicycle uh, I cannot, no. You cannot. Is a unicycle simpler or more complex than a bicycle?
0: More complex, for
1: sure. Is Riding a unicycle, certainly, but a unicycle itself, is the unicycle oh. more simple or more complex than
0: a bicycle? Uh, sorry, more simple than a bicycle. It's
1: more simple. It doesn't have a handlebar. It doesn't have front wheels. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that a bicycle adds that a unicycle doesn't have. But riding a unicycle is much more difficult than riding a bicycle so just because the bicycle is more complex does not make it easy it does not make it uh, more difficult just because the unicycle is more simple does not make it easier Things can be simple and also very difficult to do, and this is very simple. Almost every singer who watches this, who, for whom this is not your first video about singing, which is probably almost everyone, if you're watching this kind of video, you've probably heard before breathe from the diaphragm, engage your breath support, relax your throat when you sing, relax your face when you sing. You've heard these things. They're very simple. They're, they're repeated over and over again. You might have heard them a thousand times if you've done choir, musical theater, professional voice lessons. However, you may not be doing them yet. Because they are difficult to do, because you have to do them over and over and over and over again. This is what I learned in weightlifting, is that there there is some complexity to doing a good squat, doing a good deadlift, doing the the, the core lifts, but getting stronger is actually not that complex. You do a heavy weightlift, as, as heavy as you can, and then you add five pounds next week, and then you add five more pounds next week, and then you add five more pounds next week. The hard part is doing it every week for 10 years. That's the really hard part. It's not writing the program. People get caught up in the complexity of the program. They'll spend seven years researching the program before they actually go to the gym. The hard part is going to the gym and doing it every week. The hard part of developing a good voice is not the right practice routine, the right songs, the perfect trick, the perfect video, the perfect coach. None of that is needed. The hard part is doing it every day and focusing on the fundamentals instead of getting caught up in the fanciness. Fundamentals are more important than the fancy techniques. The fancy techniques help. People will ask me like, what kind of tea can I drink to make my voice feel better? It's like, and then they're sleeping four hours a night. Well, the tea doesn't really matter if you're not sleeping and recovering. The tea doesn't really matter if you're not drinking enough water. If you're going to the the ball game and screaming, if you're smoking, like these things are more important than the the elderberry extract that you can drip down your sinuses to activate, you know, whatever. Like these things don't matter that much. What matters is the fundamentals. And once we've learned the fundamentals intellectually, we put them on a shelf a lot of times and stop working on them and say, I don't really need that. I know how to read from the bell. And then I ask them to show me and it's not there. So I'd encourage you to practice these things every day because they really will make a transformative difference in your voice if you focus on the fundamentals. If you get some humility, put your ego up on a shelf and say, I'm going to do the basics for a week and just see if it helps and just see what it does to my voice. That, that is really, it's made a huge transformation for even my professional level singers and, and professional speakers and actors. um so we're going to move into the next stage of this exercise so now make sure that you're standing up roll the shoulders back open up the rib cage hands down the belly next is to give your best santa claus impression you're gonna take a deep belly breath and go ho 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 nice and deep and full ho 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 very nice now you might have gone ho 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 and that's from the neck that's not from the belly take a big belly breath and squeeze your belly go ho 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 you can see my belly move when i do it Ho, ho, ho. You want that belly coming in each time, puffing air up through your throat. Now, the trick is when you do that, you don't want tension in the throat. So move your neck side to side to make sure it's relaxed. Ho, ho, ho. What you may notice is that when you move your neck, it gets weaker. Ho, ho, ho. And if that happens, it means you're not supporting enough from the belly because you should be able to be powerful and loud, just like me, by supporting from the diaphragm and disengaging in the neck. Ho, ho, ho! That's what you wanna do. If you're firing a cannonball out of a cannon, the, the barrel of the cannon at the end doesn't do any work. Its job is to stay open so the ball can fly out. The work happens behind the ball, the explosion behind the cannonball that shoots it out. So your throat is the open tube at the end of the cannon, your belly is the explosion beneath the cannonball. The cannonball is the air that carries your voice and the beautiful sound of your singing coming out through the open tube. If the tube tries to do the work and constricts, now the ball can't get out, the cannon explodes. Now, your voice isn't gonna explode if you tighten up too much, but it will hurt. It will get tight, it will get damaged, it will destroy the sound. Amazing grace versus amazing grace. That's a beautiful sound. Now, if I don't support from here, I don't have enough of an explosion to get the cannonball out. Amazing so it's just falling out the end of the tube instead of shooting off toward towards its target. So you need the engagement, but you also need the open tube. Now we add the hiss back into the Santa Claus. I call this the Santa snakes. You go ho ho ho. S-s-s. Try it with me. Ho ho ho. S-s-s. Again. Ho ho ho. S-s-s. Feel the belly working each time. Feel the neck relaxing each time. Big breath. Ho 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 sss, sss. ho ho ho. Sss, sss. Very good. Very good. Now relax the shoulders, release any tension that you've gathered. And we're going to move into the actual vocalizing now and wrap up with our registration. So we're almost done. We've got a lot of good work here. So every day you're taking a deep breath in, kissing it out, sss, relaxing the necks, emptying completely, sss, while keeping the rib cage open then you're bouncing the, the, the santa claus and the snakes ho 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 s-s-s-s. ho 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 feeling all the effort in the diaphragm in the belly none of the effort in the neck releasing the neck these are very simple it takes 15 seconds to do but it engages the breath and the vocal freedom the last uh, a pillar of my, my little three stools that make up a beautiful singing voice after breath support and vocal freedom is registration. And many at home may not be as familiar with this if they haven't done some voice training before. Um, this is head voice and chest voice. You may have heard those terms before. Um, if not, then, and this is your first time, that's great. This is a great time to learn about it. If you have, it may be sort of like diaphragm where head voice and chest voice are words you use sometimes, but you don't really feel them in your body and know. The difference inside your body. So there are two muscles primarily that produce function in the vocal folds. The vocal folds themselves don't do as much work as the muscles around them. The vocal folds are there to vibrate and produce the pitch, much like the string on the uh, violin. Now the string is attached at the bridge and attached at the tuning peg. So the string really matters, but actually the tuning peg and the bridge matter more. Because if one of them is weak and, then, and the string is unattached, doesn't matter what the string, how beautiful the string is and how good it is, you can't play a note unless it's attached at both ends and unless it has the right amount of tension between the string. Uh, I'd rather have a really crappy, cheap, um, inexpensive, bad-sounding string that is attached properly than the most beautiful, most well-made, most expensive string in the world that is detached from the bridge. You can make a better sound with a bad string that is properly attached than a good string that is improperly attached. So these two muscles work to produce a uh, functional in the cords in different ways, making them long and skinny, short and fat, moving the vocal folds around to produce different sounds. You probably haven't heard these words before, but the term for the muscles is the cricothyroid and the thyroarytenoid. Now, at home, you don't need to memorize those, you might hear the terms TA and CT for those. And those, um, those terms are used a lot in contemporary vocal coaching. And so the easy way to remember that, um, and, and Tyler, as a vocal coach, um, we often, you know, we know all this anatomy stuff, but sometimes we forget which one is which. The easy way is that if it was easy, then the cricothyroid would be the chest, the chest voice, because they both start with C, and it's not easy. So it's the opposite of what's intuitive. The cricothyroid is the head voice and the thyroid is the chest voice. So if you just remember the chest voice doesn't start with C, then you'll know that it's cricothyroid, head voice, thyroid, chest voice. So those two muscles work in in uh, contrast to produce different sounds in your voice. You can feel your chest voice very easily by putting a hand on your chest and calling to a friend down the street. Hey, feel that resonating deep in the chest. Hey, you'll feel a deep buzz down here, then you're going to go into a Julie Andrews sound of music very gentle British lady sort of sound and go whoo and if you do a. you'll feel that it's less present in the chest. For many, we don't feel resonance in the head. We feel lack of resonance in the chest. And that's because there's a lot of empty space in the chest. And for most of us, there's not a lot of empty space in the head. Not always true for singers, but generally there's not a lot of empty space in the head. So it can't resonate that much. The chest resonates more effectively. So feel the change between your chest and your head. Put your hand on your chest and go, hey, and then move between the two like this. And a ooh. now mix the two in the middle. A mixed voice means the two muscles are working together at the same time. So instead of ooh and a, we're going to use ooh and ah.
0: Ooh,
1: ah. Try that with me. Ooh, ah. To mix the two in the middle, we're going to go through O as our vowel because it's halfway between O and A. Ah. So it sounds like this. Ooh, ah. I add some weight to the O, but not all of the weight of the chest. So they're both working together. Listen one more time and then try it with me. Ooh, ah. Try. Ooh, ah now try the opposite this is much harder there's a tendency to bring the chest up too high so be careful that you lighten up as you get to the top listen and try oh Very nice. And now we're ready to put on the final exercise that wraps us all up. And it's the simplest and the quickest one. You've probably done it a hundred times, but you may not have understood why it's so important. And hopefully after today, you'll understand why it's the most important exercise. I call it the king of the vocal exercises. And if you do it every day, it will transform your voice because it does all three of these important technical functions at once. It engages your breath support, it increases your vocal freedom, and it helps you access your full registration. And this is the lip bubble. This is the reason why. My choir directors, musical theater directors, vocal coaches love lip bubbles because it does all three at once. If you have trouble with that, you might close your eyes, put your hands on your cheeks, push your lips forward. You might have to push your lips together a little more. They might be a little dry. You might have to lick them. But most of us can do it pretty natural. If you really struggle, you can substitute a tongue trill that's okay, or just do it on a neutral vowel, but the bubble is the most useful thing. And if you can't bubble, learning how to bubble will make a radical transformation in the freedom in your voice. So try the bubble with a little pitch now, like a motorboat, then move it up, then move it a little higher. Try it from the top down. If you can get to the highest note you can sing on a bubble all the way to the bottom, you have activated vocal freedom because any tension in the face, any big smile will stop the bubble from coming out. You've activated breath support because the bubble requires more air than any other vowel. And you've activated registration because it goes from the top to the bottom of your voice. Two seconds. And you've done some training for your voice today. So when you lie in bed tonight, some night in the future and you say man i wanted to practice today i just didn't have time i didn't get around to it and you think oh should i get my phone and get my piano and pull up my tracks and go through and sing this it's going to take five minutes 10 minutes 40 minutes i don't have time for that i'll just do it tomorrow and then tomorrow you think i'll just do it tomorrow and then tomorrow you think i'll just do it tomorrow and 60 years later you've not built a beautiful voice but instead tonight when you go to close your eyes you can realize i didn't do my vocal practice today Now I've practiced, so the full sequence looks like this: deep breath in the diaphragm, open up the rib cage, piss it out, to release the next Santa snakes, ho ho ho, S-s-s-s. ho ho ho, S-s-s-s. head voice,
0: ooh,
1: chest voice, Oh. Ah. head chest, ooh ah. chest head, ah. Oh, head, mix, chest. Chest, mix, head. Bubble. One minute. 30 seconds, something around that. If you do that multiple times a day, when you're in the shower, when you're washing your hands, when you're brushing your teeth, when you're at a red light in the car, if you do it whenever no one's around because you don't want to embarrass yourself, if you do those things, you will train a stronger, more beautiful, more capable voice that can do more things and that will fix the problems in your songs. Singing songs will not get you there. They're too complex. There's too much going on to focus on fundamental technique. You have to do the training exercises every day to get that kind of growth. It's very, very important. So I would encourage you to find those times in the day where you can do that and sometimes even if there's someone around and you feel like you'll be embarrassed it's a bonus to do it in front of someone because then you also get to practice stage fright and getting over laughing at yourself when you're kind of embarrassed for doing silly things in front of people So that is the exercise routine I give to my students to do every day. It's like brushing your teeth. Certainly flossing is a good idea, certainly mouthwash is a good idea, but at the end of the day, if you do nothing else, brush your teeth. So if you can't get time to do your scales, your training exercises, your YouTube videos, your mp3 recordings, your piano exercises, your song work, your diction work, all this other stuff that you do as you're training your voice, if you have no time for anything else, brush your teeth. Do your hisses, your Santa snakes, your ooh-ahs, your ah-oohs, your ooh-oh-ahs, your ah, oohs, your ooh, oh, ahs, your ah oh, oohs And especially, if you have no time for anything else, the bubble. Constantly bubble. Build it as a habit. Bubble all the time. Bubble on your songs. Bubble on your exercises. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Nothing will make a more beautiful voice than that.
0: And that's it. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I think we all kind of learned something here, including <laughs> myself. And Will. So thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for doing for this. Sure. And, uh, thank you, Tyler. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot
1: of fun. And I appreciate you sharing uh, my, the platform with your audience. I'm, I'm happy uh, to be able to share this all with them. And um, and I, I think I mentioned you before the call as well. Um, I know that you are building up an email list and building up the studio. For anyone today who watches this video and signs up for the email list, you have a chance to win a free first lesson with me as well. So for any new subscribers to Tyler's List, um, you will get put in an entry for a free first lesson with Topher over Zoom, most likely, unless you happen to live in the Phoenix, Arizona area. I'm not traveling to you. So, um, you you will probably will get that over Zoom. Um, so I I would encourage you to go ahead and check out my website if you like what you learned today. It is www.topherkeene.com. That is T-O-P-H-E-R-K-E-E-N-E, and I'm sure Tyler will put that in the description below as well, so you can come and find there. I do acting coaching and singing coaching for all ability levels and all age levels, from beginners and children all the way up to advanced adults and professionals. I also do offer life coaching and career coaching services for people who are looking to make a career in the arts or just go going through difficult transitions in their life. Um, But at the end of the day, I hope that you will take this and use these exercises to make your voice more beautiful. Even if you're not a singer, these exercises will make a more beautiful and powerful speaking voice too. Um, So the voice is really important. It's the main thing we use to express ourselves out to the world. And if you take it seriously and train it to make it more beautiful, it'll make every part of your life more effective and more beautiful.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, to join that email list, I'll put all the links down below, but um, it's just tylersmusicstudio.com and you can sign up for the email list there um but thank you so much is there any other social links that we can uh follow you or- uh, yeah no
1: actually I don't really do social media that much my wife has pulled off it pretty much completely you know we're just we're, we're a little bit more hermits I, I'm pretty active in my studio right now and I just I don't need a ton of new students I'm happy if anybody watches this and they'd like to try out my studio I would love to talk to you I do have some openings right now but not a lot so I'm, I'm not actively in the building phase right now I'm more in the reclusive phase and just focusing in on my clients and my students and trying to get my book out in the next year as well so I'm not very very active on social. The website is the best place to find me,
0: toferking.com Right. And we'll put his book down below as well. So you can um, take a look yes, at that. In the future at some point, who knows? <laughs> yeah. so, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank ha- you, some of my current students, uh, you might, you might even see him. He might even pop in sometime in the future for some sort be of- Happy to do class. so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Masterclass would be great. If you have a studio class day, then I'd be happy to pop in and, and do a workshop with your guys too.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thank you so, you, so sir. much. I appreciate, appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Bye, everybody.